that's part of my uh, speaking, and I'm I'm hoping that's a part of this podcast too. Um, that's part of my uh, you know agreement to do this is that there is loud trumpets and streamers, and um, I was expecting at least like something to arrive at my door, you know, like M and M's <laughs> that are only Duke blue color, but that's okay. Next time, we'll see what we can do about putting some trumpets in the audio. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. Well, welcome to Preacher Lab uh, for preachers just like you and I. It is the week of December 5th, 2021, and I have my good friend here, Mr. Robert Joseph Tucker. Hey, Will. Glad to be here. William Earl Wold. <laughs> or, I mean, Rob, uh, I mean, we've known each other for a long time now. Yeah. Uh, 2008? Is it 2008? 2008, Yeah. I was your orientation leader at Florida Southern College. Can yeah, you, you that? You oriented me very well. I'm the reason why you're here today. <laughs> Not my mom or my dad. It's Rob Tucker. Mm, no, no, no. They, they did an okay job, but really, <laughs> when I picked it up in 2008, I think that's really when Will Wold became a person. I think. Exactly. William Erwold. Mm-hmm. Junior, yeah. don't forget. My <laughs> oh, <laughs> <not> bad, my <laughs> <Not> bad. <laughs> well, Rob, thanks for coming and talking about what you're preaching on. Uh, so... What are you preaching on this week? Where are you going? Where are you headed? Uh, what are you up to? Yeah, this week I am continuing in our sermon series called the Christmas Playlist. Christmas Playlist. So I didn't preach last week. I had my associate pastor preach for me to kind of kick off the series. He preached on the little drummer boy. And then I am following that up with a, a sermon on joy to the world. So basically, we're going through the next, um, throughout all of Advent, going through kind of famous Christmas carols, Christmas songs, um, things probably people have sang for decades, but haven't really thought about what they're singing. They just know that they like it, right? Or they don't like it. You know, Little Drummer Boy is kind of controversial whether they actually want to sing it in church or not. I found that out last Sunday. (laughs) Um, But... You know, it's a time that we kind of dive into uh, the Christmas story from a different perspective, and that's from um, the music that we sing on Sunday mornings. And so I'm preaching uh, around the themes, around some lyrics found in the song Joy to the World, um, and using Psalm 98 as my text, my main text of the morning to kind of combine with that um, to talk about the Christmas story. So what what is Psalm 98? Tell me. So Psalm 98 is is basically, so Psalm 98 is what uh, Isaac Watts based his hymn, Door to the World, off of. And so kind of the same kind of uh, quotations that you can think of that comes from uh, Door to the World as a song is found in that psalm text. And so just uh, a way that they sing praises, ways that we look forward to the triumph of God, the ways that things are resounding in joy uh, is the Psalm 98 text. Yeah, yeah. What what made you go? I've I've never heard a series called Christmas Playlist. So what made you go in in that direction versus hope, peace, love, joy, kind of the typical Advent style? Sure. You know, I, I've been preaching full time since twenty fifteen, and you know, every time you think we 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 read the same text every Christmas, every Advent season, which I think is great. Um, I think there's something beautiful about the liturgical calendar. I think there's something beautiful about having um, the kind of hope, peace, love, joy, kind of thematic Sunday themes that you bring up. But but for me, uh, music is a big part of my life. And so it became a natural connection for me. So when I first went to college, when I first met you, Will, um, I was a music education major. 
didn't want to be a preacher, didn't want to be a pastor, really didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, But music was my passion. And so this became kind of a combination that I've really enjoyed digging into. Um, So really talking about lyrics, talking about music, talking about melodies um, is something that I'm having a a blast with. And part of the reason why I, I connect with it so well. And I do think people who are sitting in our in our pews sing things every Sunday morning and they don't think what what they're singing, why they're singing it. Um, they just know they like it or they don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I, I think this will kind of hopefully the goal is to bring a little bit more meaning to the songs that we sing. You know, as I as I dived into kind of the historical background of, of George of the World and Isaac Watts, when he started composing music, when he started writing the lyrics, he did it because he went to church with his father on a Sunday morning and just complained all service about how boring the, sur- the church music was. He hated church music. I thought it was boring. I thought it was lame. He, he didn't like it in the songs. And so his father just said, well, why don't you do something about it and you write it? Right. And and who would have thought that he would have been a, a great, you know, theologian, a great uh, minister, a great songwriter. Um, and so I just like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I like the it's kind of intersection of, of different kinds of art. I like the intersection of different kinds of music, um, particularly, particularly when it comes to preaching the word. I, I like worship in general, but I think we can bring different aspects into the preaching moment that I think helps people connect. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you're you're taking this old idea and these old songs and even even Psalm 98 and you're putting them together in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's like yeah, we can talk about P of joy uh, in Advent, mm-hmm. but you can just say, well, joy to the world. But when you're putting the history of Isaac Walls, I had no idea that was anything about him. And that's just that's fascinating of mm-hmm. and, and what joy I bet you that brought him when he actually got to hear his own song. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if he did. It's the it's the number one Christmas carol in America, right? For for a long time. I mean, it it's the top of the charts. I mean, you go to Christmas Eve, you're gonna sing Joy to the World, right? I mean, I hope he's still getting money or his family's getting money from that, right? Um, for publishing, because it's just it is a gorgeous staple of of uh, particularly American Christian music yeah. around um, the Christmas Advent time. And so I, I love I love connecting what people may have not known about the music or about the writer, about the the song itself, and and really not only teaching them something as important as I think that that is, but for me it's a it's a connection point to another part, right? Yeah. Um, I think the preaching moment is, is is super important. Obviously, being on this podcast, right? We both think preaching is is really uh, a very important part of worship it's you know but it's much more than just teaching um i hope it's uh inspirational in a sense that makes me want to do something it makes me want to push forward and and i think when i say that on sunday morning that isaac watts wrote this because he was bored with church music some people may say amen (laughs) (laughs) from the back and then say let's move on preacher but you know i think that people will connect with that um and for me I, i put those parts uh, of connection points, hopefully throughout the whole worship experience, but particularly through the sermon um, that people can say, yeah, I, I feel that. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. I, I've been there before. Um, and, and let's let, what, why, you know, tell me more. I, I'm, I'm interested now, Rob. Yeah. So I, gosh, so when I think about what, what are you going to do with the song itself that day on or this, this coming Sunday, are you going to play it beforehand, play it afterwards, play it during, what are you going to do with that particular song? 
Yeah. So all throughout the series, this is kind of when I, when I work with my worship team, uh, it was a big point of debate <laughs> of whether we wanted the song to go before the sermon or after the sermon. You know, before the sermon kind of reminds you of the lyrics. It kind of puts it in your head. You know, you, when you preach on it, then afterwards you think, oh, yeah, I remember singing that. But putting it afterwards is kind of tying a bow on it, you know, because then you learned about it. You hear the history behind it. Now, hopefully... Uh, even a lyric or a line has more meaning than it did um, when you sang it last year. And so let's sing it and let's sing it out loud, you know, kind of with that, especially when it comes to something like Joy to the World. Um, this Sunday, we're going to sing it as the closing song of worship. And so that that the aim for that is to be, hey, you've learned about it. You've experienced that. Now let's do it together. Um, it's going to be the kind of the fun thing, I hope, in the morning. Yeah. Have you, have you tried different ways in this? I mean, I've only done two of them, but did you, tr- mm-hmm. are all of them going to be after or one going to be before or one might be after, or just going to try it different ways and see what happens? It kind of flips back and forth. Okay. Um, this, this past week uh, for a little drummer boy, there's a, a person in congregation who he has, uh, his, his name's Gary. He's awesome. I mean, he's one of the saints of the congregation and he's really involved in theater in the in Louisville area and, and really big into musicals. And he does this kind of infamous little drummer boy where he brings up a little hand drum and he plays it and sings it a cappella. Oh. And it was very different from like a communal song at the end. You know, he just did it kind of by himself. And it was really, really neat. So even that to an extent was different. It wasn't a congregational song. Yeah. It was a time for us to sit back and, and to relax. Like Gary sing that song over us. And, and it was after the sermon last week. And so um, it became like a, another tie on the bow, but, but also an experience in itself. But in the weeks going forward, we'll, we're going to sing um, Silent Night, uh, I think, next week. And that will be before the sermon as a, as a part of um, a meditation of sorts. There's a, a beautiful a choral anthem that will go with that that I think will really set the sermon up um, yeah. very well. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, you're very intentional about how the whole worship service kind of feeds into the sermon and how the sermon feeds into the whole worship service and how they're mm-hmm. integrated. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think worship is a narrative, right? It tells a story and and there's nothing worse than clunky worship to me. I mean, there's a lot of other things bad in the world, right? But from, from a preacher <laughs> and a worship leader standpoint, there's nothing worse than a, a stop and go service, a kind of plug and play. There's nothing worse than, um, you know, things that just don't go together, uh, things that, you know, you start to point out, hey, this doesn't, I don't, I don't, I don't like the phrase feel good, but, you know, I, because I think when you put it as a part of a story, as an, an overarching theme, the story that you want to be told, hopefully in all aspects of it, it's invitational. You know, we're invited into that story to participate into that story as someone um, sitting in a pew or a chair that we are just as much of a part of this experience than the preacher or the musician or the worship leader. Um, you know, liturgy, the work of the people is we do this all together. And that's the aspect. And if our services don't kind of tell a story, how are we supposed to invite people into that story? How are we supposed to expect, you know, life change to happen if we're never invited to participate in it? Um and I think we see that in different ways from traditional um, style of, uh, expression of worship to a contemporary expression of worship where, you know, we're not invited to participate in the story. And, and I am very intentional. And I think um, 
the the services that are that are the most meaningful for folks are ways that they're invited from the beginning to the end, and then they're pushed forward to go live that story out. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I think that's where we we can find the the beauty of the working of the spirit inside of the invitational posture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned your worship team um, mm-hmm. and how you guys had had a disagreement about where the songs go. Are they a part of kind of the sermon planning piece for longer term? So every three, four months you get together. What does that What does that look like for planning for you? Sure. And and this has changed throughout every context that I found myself in, right? From when I, I first came out of seminary and was at a church in Melbourne, Florida, there was a crave team, right? And those kind of folks helped to plan um, long-term. And those folks kind of on a weekly basis also met. Um, the Before uh, this church I served before, I came to Louisville, Kentucky, and Owensboro, Kentucky, kind of just the staff did it. Um, and, and the staff kind of met. And, and particularly, I was just over contemporary worship, the preacher for that. And we would just talk through as a staff, here's where we want to go and all that kind of good jazz. Here, you know, I, I, I'm i kind of doing a combination of, of all of it with kind of the, the giftedness that I see as a part of my congregation. Part of the struggle is, you know, I transitioned during COVID-19, right, in 2020, and you didn't see anybody, <laughs> you know, we're all online. And so leadership looked a little bit different. And, and of course, worship and preaching looked that drastically different than any other situation I've been in. Um, so now I, you know, I always take a day or two away to do a six month, um, series worship plan. Right. And I come back with that six month, I get input from other folks on, Hey, what do you think the congregation should hear? Hey, what, what's something you want to be reminded of? Hey, what are the stories that you want to be told? Um, what are some of the, you know, the kind of the big rocks that you want to hear and kind of, I help those formulate that plan. I'll also look at the liturgical calendar and see if there's any kind of lectionary text I do want to put in there. I'm a series preacher. That shouldn't surprise anybody because I'm talking about stories, right? And I think the stories that you can form through series keep people interested, but also invite them into that story that's going to happen for the next, you know, three to six weeks. And then uh, I come back and receive feedback on that. I'll send out that worship plan of six months to um, the kind of the worship team, both of laity and of staff members and say, hey, if you, if you have any ideas, if you have any illustrations, if you connected with any of this, please let me know and, and let's do this kind of stuff together. So so those two days that you're away, what are, what are those days, just for practical standpoint, what are those days mm-hmm. look like? Is that waking up at 7 a.m. and praying for two hours or uh, is, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, for me, it's, it's uh, kind of a, a stop and go throughout the day. Right. And so that, I think prayer is not, not just a, the 6 a.m. John Wesley, like I can't do that kind of stuff. Right. Um, you know, get up and enjoy a good cup of coffee, give thanks to God over that. That's my kind of prayer. And then <laughs> go for a walk, you know, and kind of, Hey, talk to God through, through kind of the walking. And, and if I'm at a place that has a prayer labyrinth, I love, you know, anything that is kind of more tangible, that helps me pray. I do that. And so like a labyrinth is a great place for me to kind of help focus my thoughts. Cause I'm pretty scatterbrained kind of individual. And then to kind of go through, um, I, I really like Adam Hamilton has kind of the, the five aims of preaching, do you remember that? I, I don't know if we received that book as a part of RIM, the Florida Conference, or not, but the five aims of preaching comes from um, Leading Beyond the Walls. Leading Beyond the Walls. Is it the head, heart, hands? No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So he says, you know, here's 
over the calendar year, here's some of the five aims. Um, and I wrote these down, so I, I want to forget, but these are the things that I kind of go through um, yeah. throughout. So evangelism. So these are kind of the fishing expenditures that you go on. So, you know, in January, we're going to go in, on a kind of evangelism kind of idea, right? So what are people interested in? What will bring people back from Christmas Eve that they will want to dive into? You know, wh- where do they want to get plugged into? So evangelism, discipleship is another one. And so I do really, I, th- I think majority of my sermon series really are, are on disciple making. Um, equipping and sending is another one. So those are kind of your practical, how do I live out my faith inside, outside of the community? Um, pastoral care. So that's kind of addressing anything that's happened, any hurts both here in the world. I mean, I feel like COVID, you know, a lot of those, our sermons have been around pastoral care, right? Providing hope, providing comfort, um, providing spaces to grieve and to mourn, um, loss of life, loss of jobs, loss of stability, um, all that kind of stuff. And the last one is uh, institutional development. And so that's your visioning process. And, and why do we do what we do inside of this particular local church? So evangelism, discipleship, equipping and sending, pastoral care, institutional development. And so I'll have these categories kind of posted and I'll start to fill in, you know, of kind of where I think God should be leading or could be leading us in the next six months. Um, what's going to connect with them now where we're at. Um, so we're not just reusing materials from um, years past, but, you know, where is God leading us right now? And, and where do we think God's going to bring us? And what kind of human being do we want to be formed in? So that's kind of my yeah. overarching, you know, in a nutshell, kind of working of that one, the two day um, kind of retreat of myself, right. To kind of put that formulation. I, I, I get very scattered. Even when I talk here, I get very scattered. And so I have to have these times away or it just won't get done. And, and really I have found the six month kind of sermon planning to be uh, the most healthy I can be because I'm not stressed about what am I going to preach next week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when something comes up, I, I know. And of course those um, topics and those scriptures can be a, a little flexible, but at least you have an idea. Hey, here's where here's where I'm going, and and that helps your worship leaders say, hey, here's some of the music that I can provide to help with that experience. Here's kind of liturgical elements that you can bring in to help with that experience. Um, and without that planning, I can't get it done, um, and I can't help foster um, other participation without it. Yeah, yeah. So, gosh. One quick kind of practical piece again, when you, when you're doing those five, those five big rocks, uh-huh. do you, are uh-huh. they like on, are they on a notepad? Are they on a word document? Are they like scattered around a room you're in with like sticky, like a massive sticky note or paper on, on the visual? Wall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I do those, you know, those massive pieces of paper that you can stick on the wall. Yeah. Um, so I do that and I'll write the title on the cross of it and I'll, and I'll awesome. paste it on there. Um, and, and I'll put out, you know, but, and, and at that point I'll, I'll come back to it several times of mm-hmm. course and jot down ideas and and uh, and like any creative person three-fourths of the ideas don't ever make it but you know they're on yeah. there um and sometimes i'll just file and i'll put these of course in like a digital document but you know i'll put those away for another day right yeah. well maybe this series isn't going to work it now but maybe in a couple of years or, or in the next six months i'll reevaluate and say hey this will work it now um but yeah i i, I literally plaster those things on the wall yeah. to kind of help me um, visualize and, and help me see a calendar out kind of out loud yeah. for me. That's fantastic. That's great. 
I'm going to steal that idea. Cause I've got a couple of, when I'm, when I'm just thinking about ideas, I've got like one big note, but I've never thought about it, putting different ones for different themes or different rocks of discipleship evangelism. And um, yeah, that's really, that's really helpful. Yeah. It's fun too. You know, part of it, you know, as I was thinking about this podcast, when you invited me beyond here, um, I think preaching should just be fun too. I think worship planning should be fun. And if you're not finding, it's funny that, you know, we're talking about joy this week and, and this is the week you chose to interview me on. If, if you're not enjoying preaching, um, you neither, you know, I, what, there's been parts of my ministry where I haven't enjoyed preaching. And that's typically when I've preached too many weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you're on week 14, you're still preaching without a break. Take a break, take a breath, and then come back to it. Uh, you know, I just, my my son Cooper just turned three months old. And so, and it's been an incredible experience, a very sleepless experience, but an incredible experience nonetheless. But that, you know, I took eight weeks of paternity leave, which is a, one of the joys of the Methodist Church. So that's kind of mandatory, right? Um, you, you, you don't debate that. Any partner um, requires eight weeks leave. And, and that was eight weeks of not preaching, which is the first time in my you know, ministry career <laughs> that I went eight weeks without preaching. I've been a weekly preacher since I've been in ministry, um, even as associate. And so that was uh, the yearning to come back and preach was so high at that point. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't wait to get back in the pulpit. And 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 I think there that joy came back, Yeah, you know, to where burnout or, you know, kind of a writer's block was coming around that just taking a time to breathe and to, to really Sabbath and this, and, and to come back and say, Hey, this, this is supposed to be fun. This yeah. is, you know, of all the ask, not everything in ministry is fun. Not all of it will bring a joy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've never sat through a trustees meeting and thought, man, this is a lot of fun guys. Um, <laughs> but, I, but, you know, preaching, delivering the, you know, the word, inviting people into a story should be a, a joyous occasion, um, no matter what you're preaching, right? You can preach things on, on grief and mourning. I think there's an extent of joy because I think we know good news on the other side of it. Yeah. And so how do we walk people through that kind of stuff? It um, should be uh, fun in both the, the, the writing, the articulation, the movement of the spirit. Um, go out and have fun, enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So walk me through your week of fun or your week of joy yeah. of preaching. What does that, what does that look like for you? So you're preaching on joy to the world, um, mm-hmm. preaching on Isaac Watts, preaching on Psalm, Psalm 90, 93, 98, 98, uh-huh. 98. Uh-huh. Walk me through what a, a week looks like for you. Sure. So I had this series planned about you know, six months ago or so, you know, so I already had this formulated and, and actually the text moved once I learned more about Isaac Watts. So I had the it used to be a different psalm text, but this one was the one he based the, this hymn off of. And so I was like, okay, well, you can't not makes, choose that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never mind, Isaac. You got this wrong, bro. Um, no, you know, we change it because, of course, the more I learned, the more I figured out, the more, oh, okay, this is where um, the text to be on. But so Monday morning, uh, I start by reading scripture. I read the scripture of of the uh, the week. I typically print it out. Um uh, you know, I yeah, I have a physical Bible for sure, but I, you know, I print it out just so I can write all over it. So I highlight different things. I draw different things. Um, I squiggle, you know, like I just kind of make kind of this paper. I'm not art- artistic in the way of, of drawing. So you would have no idea what I drew or anything, but you know, this is the way that I kind of 
it helps me dive into the text and kind of, I think a fun way, um, but in a way that helps me to dive into it and to enter into it. And then on that same Monday, as a part of that kind of sermon preparation, I'll open up some commentaries about the text after I've had time um, to really dive in it for myself. And then I kind of go to a couple of different commentaries that I, that I trust that I think uh, helps me to dive into it. And then if there's a theme, I'll start that research. Um, and so I'll start, I'll, you know, go and dive into the, the resources on Joy to the World and learn more about Isaac Watts. Um, so that's Monday. Kind of just dive in. I, I haven't written anything yet. I've circled and underlined and colored. Um, and that's basically it. Tuesday and Wednesday, I'll start to word dump. So I'll just kind of open up a Word doc and just uh, type as much as I want. You know, I'll kind of free form. I, I've started from Monday to put some ideas together. Sometimes this can be scattered to Tuesday and Wednesday. I try to do this on Tuesday, but it all depends on, you know, kind of meetings and other things that have going on. But Tuesday and Wednesday, that's kind of the focal point. Let's put as many words as I can on a page. Um, let's tell the story. And so that's where we're, we're talking about this. I don't know if your listeners know, we're talking about this on Wednesday morning. So I've already done one word dump, right? Yesterday. So I kind of just word vomited all over this pages document. And there's no, there's think, no, there's no edit button. There's no get rid of. There's no cut. You just write out everything. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't delete anything at this yeah. point. The no idea is a bad idea at this point. Yeah. Um, and so uh, often it doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, like there's a roadmap kind of, but that roadmap is going to change a ton before it's actually preached on Sunday morning. This is just a hey, let's put this out there. Um, let's let's see what happens. So that's Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday is my edit day. So Thursday, so in my ideal world, Tuesday's the word dump. Wednesday's a break day where I'm still thinking through it, but I'm not touching that word document. I'm kind of just going to let it there. I'm going to breathe. It's going to breathe. We've had a hard day. You know, let's let's keep it there. And then Thursday, I come, I find myself after I've slept, um, I, I find myself in a better place and a more healthy place to come out and say, okay, let's write down. And typically at that point, I'll have a roadmap formed in my, in my mind. And so I'll have, you know, kind of the beginning to the end. I'll kind of have some bullet points or some, I, I like titles. So I title it throughout it, like the chapters of a book. Um, and then I start to really kind of plug and play the form and, and really start to work on, uh, I think transitions are one of the most important parts of the sermon. Like, I think if you don't have good transitions, people are going to fall off the wagon, right? You can't turn the car too, too quickly or turn it and, and, do a deep dive somewhere else and come back, you know, they're, they're going to get lost along the way. And so I, I work on my transitions heavily um, after I get that roadmap, kind of put the edits, you know, three fourths of that word document doesn't make it on Thursday. Um, it gets deleted or filed away to somewhere else. You know, if I, if I find her, you know, I come up with a really good illustration of our personal life. If I come up with a great story, you know, and it doesn't work, I don't, I don't think it's bad. I just think, well, not today. And so I'll store those away in a different document yeah. um, and come back to them at a different point. And maybe that will speak differently another day. Um, okay, well, Friday. So, so, so oh, go ahead. before you talk to me about those trends, because talking about those transitions, give me, what is that? What, what do you mean? Like putting a pause? Does that mean like, making sure you move from A to B. What does that, what, what does that look like? Yeah. For me, it's, it's, what is the smoothest way I can move from A to B? And I don't like, um, I don't like points, you know? And so I even like, when, like when we talk about, uh, you know, I'm not a three point sermon kind of guy, you know, I, it, though I, it's, 
I think it, <laughs> no offense to people who are, I think it's boring and uncreative and, and doesn't invite you to the story. I think it's like, here's the three ways to live your life. <sighs> okay, cool. Um, you know, I, I like a good story that takes you on a journey. This is the overarching of worship, also overarching of the sermon. Um, and what you can't do is skip um, from A to Z, right? There's a lot of things that happen along the way. And the transitions are things that happen between each kind of each kind of point, each kind of theme or idea that helps you. Because I think if you take too quick of a turn, people are going to be thrown off. I think if you um, do it too slow, people are going to be bored and fall asleep in the backseat, right? If you, you know, you know, don't let you, but I also want to let room to breathe. Here's, here's another thing yeah. about the transitions. I think sometimes there is something good about a pregnant pause, right? Of, of letting people enter into the story and let them, um, they may come to a different conclusion than me in the sermon. And that's a-okay, right? Because I, I think uh, God is certainly present in the writing, I hope, right? <laughs> you know, it's the desire, that's the thing. And then through the edits, I hope God is, is present in there. And I hope in the preaching of that moment, right? God is in there in the facilitating of it, but also hopefully God is in the way that people are hearing it and and letting them enter into that story as well. So I think pauses are, are very good. I think time of reflection is very good as, as um, a part of it too. So, but transitions, you know, I think are key and mostly overlooked. I mean, if yeah. you just go from A to C and people are like, wait a second, what happened? You know, I, you know, we've all been in, in sermons before where here's my five points and I skip point three. And all I can think <laughs> of, what was, what the heck was point three? Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I'll get stuck. Um, and I know others are like that too. Yeah. I think comedians do such a good job of that, of they're moving they from do. story to story to story. Yeah. And sometimes they leave pause. Sometimes they just gather you and they're like, I remember this time. And like, when I watch a, a good comedian, um, mm -hmm. like a Nate Bargetsky or something, mm -hmm. like they do such a good job with transitions. And I that. worked with his brother um, when I was in Durham. No way. Yeah, yeah. His, his brother was part of uh, a, a mission group. So, yeah. Isn't that kind of neat? Oh, that's so every really time cool. I see him pop up, and I think he's been nominated for something just mm -hmm. last week, you know, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I don't know him, but I know his brother. Yeah. And so you yeah, kind of know him. Yeah. Anyways, keep going. Keep yeah. Going, so, I mean, whether it be him or Aziz Ansari or whoever, like mm -hmm. they do such a good job of planning out. I mean, they, they just talk, they talk about it in a bits and we would talk about it in a bits too, yeah. but connecting those bits together. Um, so you don't lose the, 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 the audience or the, for us, the congregation, you don't lose the congregation. Um, I think that's, that's really, really important. And it, I mean, that's an art in itself. Those moving from A to B to C in creative manners, and, uh, and sometimes it is a long pause. Sometimes it's, well, now let's talk about this. Or, I mean, I don't know. There's a bunch of different ways you could do it, but. Yeah. I, what's the, um, I, I want to go back to the, the comedian bit. So let's go back to that. Remind yeah. me if I know, but what is it? The, you know, Andy Stanley is kind of the one, the one thing, right. Kind of as a part of your, your sermons, you have one idea, right. What's, what's your one big idea that you want the congregation to know. And if, um, something I'll write typically that one idea at the top of the page. Um, and if that becomes like the filter to the rest of it. And so if every paragraph doesn't have to do with that one idea, it has to go. Right. And that's yeah. what I think one way of keeping you on track to make sure it flows well, to make sure you're, you're not just writing whatever is coming to your mind as I often do. Right. How does it come back to the one idea and yeah. how does it, um, take you along that journey, but always comes back to that. I think a good, um, 
comedian has a theme of the night, right? And she or he takes you onto that journey and it always comes, there's always that kind of reoccurring joke that comes up and you're like, <laughs> I remember that from the first beginning and they don't do it too much. They annoy you, but, but they take, keep taking you back over and over again. I remember I went to, to Nashville to see Aziz Ansari um, before one of his Netflix specials. And it was really cool. I was in this small comedy club and you had to put your phone in a Ziploc baggie um, because you couldn't film it because he was trying out his jokes on stage. He was trying out a special before it was recorded. It was one of my... Uh, most favorite experiences in my life because you got to see him with a notebook and paper on a stool, try out his special. And you could see him physically go back and say, yeah, that one didn't work. And he'll start editing right there in front of you. And some people I'm sure thought that was annoying. Like, come on, man. Like we're not here to be a test trial. I loved it. Yeah. Cause I'm like, this is, this is what preachers do or should do. Right. Mm-hmm. When we try it out, I preach my sermon six to eight times on between Saturday night and Sunday morning before it's preached out loud to a congregation. Right. So I'm preaching it out loud, you know, at least six to eight times. And then those kind of to, to your, to yourself, to Molly, to Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Cooper doesn't want to hear this. Um, <laughs> typically to myself. Um, sometimes I'll record it. I'm just a, just an audio and listen back to it again. Hey, does yeah. it make sense? Does it flow well? Um, on a Sunday morning, it's typically inside of the church itself. And I've done this since the beginning, like in, in the pulpit or on the stage or whatever, wherever you're preaching at, you know, kind of preach out loud in that space because there's something powerful about being in there. And it helps, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a walking preacher as well. I don't like standing behind the podium or pulpit or music stand. I like to walk a little bit and and I block those like it's in theater too. You know, yeah. times to walk left, times to walk right because you walk too much, it's too distracting. But if you walk when you need to, you know, you're blocking like you're on a play will help people enter into it as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not a distraction, but it's an invitation. Um, anyways, seeing Aziz Ansari write this out, edit it out loud, um, was such a cool experience because then you could see the Netflix special and see, you know, here's here's what he took out and here's, you know, what he thought went well. And here's, you know, where we laughed. Here's where you, we didn't follow along. We got, you know, we jumped off the wagon or got flipped off the wagon and, you know, he had to get us back on. You know, you could kind of see him working that out loud. Um, one, one September... My goal was to to watch or listen to a a stand up comedian every day. That was kind of my homework. I don't know if you remember this. So, but I would watch or listen to one every day, and I collected. I put put on social media. Hey, what's your favorite comedian of all time? And people put all these different names in in kind of the basket. And and some of them I knew, some of them I didn't know. And every day I listened or watched to a new comedian as part of my homework, and it was awesome. Yeah, um, because I just was. Both, I got to learn about so many different new comedians, stand-up comics. Um, but also, I, I, I got to, I think they're onto an art form that we can learn from. Yeah. I think that they're onto an art form that we can learn from. Um, and, God, talk about joy. I mean, it was a blast. Um, but yeah. but they have a way with words that's planned, um, that's that's meaningful, that invites you into the moment. And they're they're speaking for an hour plus. Right. Yeah. We get 15 to 30 minutes, you know, wherever you find yourself in which context, but, um, and you are in for an yeah. hour. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. You're not thinking about where you're going afterwards. You're not thinking about, you know, weekend plans. You're, you're in there in the moment. They gotcha. You know, there's, there's some, there's some kind of art form to that. Yeah. Oh, we, we should probably do a whole podcast on comedian or a whole, like just talking about comedy and preaching. 
because oh, I'm thinking, awesome. yeah. I'm thinking about all the comedians and like one of my, my, one of my favorite comedians, uh, at least for that at the moment is Bo Burnham. Okay. And sure. I love yeah. Bo Burnham because he's not a, he's a unique comedian. Like there's nobody that's, like that's, Bo Burnham. That's the word for it. <laughs> yeah. He's unique um, <laughs> yeah. and vulgar, but he's just Good. so unique yeah. and interesting. And like, he'll do things that you think a normal comedian would do and then flip it upside down. Um, and I just, I love that. And he has a new it's, special. His pandemic seen, special is incredible. It's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it, I, 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 he's a genius, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I, there's just so many, there's so many connecting pieces to preaching and comedy um, mm-hmm. that the way we should do all, we should, we're going to have to do a whole episode on that because that's, that's really awesome. good. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's move on. Cause uh, I know you've got some pretty interesting things that you're doing this week. Um, a pretty, some creative things. So um, tell us, tell us about the creative thing you're doing. Cause I, I don't want to ruin it for the people listening. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, big into music we're we're talking about a Christmas playlist and I thought, man, what, what a cool kind of, um, illustration, what a what a neat example um, is to bring someone in that knows what they're talking about when it comes to music. And so I brought in our friend, Brian Sutherland. Brian is a singer-songwriter in Nashville, also went to Florida Southern College. Go Mox. Um, <laughs> Those of you listening and- on the podcast, that was the, uh, the signal of putting your hands on your knees and then holding up your two fingers on both sides to make a snake or fangs. Yes. Yeah. Every there time is. I mention Florida Southern at a sermon, I make my congregation do it. They probably hate it, but <laughs> at least I know they're paying attention to one thing. Um, so Brian is, yeah, a, a great singer-songwriter. He uh, writes his own stuff, co-writes with lots of talented folks. He's toured um, with a lot of different musicians. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I saw him touring with the Beach Boys. That was super cool. Um, so, like, he... He knows what he's talking about. And he's done this for a while. And so I just thought, man, it would be really neat to interview him to bring us into the world of songwriting, to talk about the joy of songwriting, and then to talk about Christmas music in general and, and what brings him joy out of it. So it was a fantastic conversation. So I ended up, you know, we met on uh, Zoom and I'm going to take about eight minutes, I think, of that interview video wise and intersperse that throughout my sermon. And so it'll be kind of the bookends. Um, and I actually talked to Will here, your, your great preacher lab master <laughs> man, um, to, to do that. And to kind of split it up and to kind of let us into more of the world of music and of songwritings and, and particularly around lyrics. And so it was just a neat conversation. Then I'll release um, Watkins, the church I serve has a podcast, and I'll release the, the full 47 minutes Um audio dialogue between Brian and I later on that be another way for people to enter into it throughout the week. Um, but that eight minutes will we'll kind of journey through um, what does a songwriter look like? What does his day-to-day he or she look like his day-to-day kind of mode method madness that goes be, be um, behind it all. You know, those songs that you hear on the radio don't just show up, right? Someone wrote it and someone performed it, you know, and everything in between. And then talk about the joy conversation was my favorite, the joy conversation, because I asked them, you know, a part of the songwriting process, what part brings you the most joy? And, you know, he struggled with it because it's a that's a hard question, of course, the whole process. Um, but he started to talk about a, a song he wrote for his grandfather. And he wrote this song in memory of his grandfather. And he co-wrote it with a, with another um, great uh, singer songwriter, I think, out of Canada. And he just talked about 
the formation of that as, as he and she wrote those lyrics, he talked about like the first time they met like on zoom and, and played it together. They just cried their eyes out because that story that was just his become theirs. Mm -hmm. And then he he says, you know, and then when I first time I played it out loud um, inside, I think it's, I think it was at a bar, you know, first time I played it out loud at a bar, you know, that became a moment and experience as well of joy. And then someone afterwards came up to him and said, Hey, Hey, this, that song reminded me of my grandfather or my cousin, you know, someone had passed and that became another connection point of joy. And he said, I, I can't pinpoint it, but it's somewhere along that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that in each part, there was a connection both to my grandfather that had passed and writing the lyrics and then the co-writing and editing with somebody else because it connected with their story. And then, um, recording it was another one and then you know playing out loud you know everybody got to be a part of that kind of vulnerable moment that i created something and now you're invited into it and then the sharing afterwards hey i, I connect with that because it reminded me of so and so um and that was just really neat um a, a process for me to think through and i think it has to do with preaching because i, I think when we preach we're writing a uh, kind of story from our point of view, of course, from point of view of, of folks before us and point of view of folks that we dialogue with throughout the week as we formulate it. We're writing it inside of a, a certain context, uh, a church, a city, a state, a people group. And then when we preach it out loud, we're, we're praying that there's some kind of connection point out there as well, and that they're going to hear something and they're going to enter into that story as well. Um, and I just thought, Man, there's so much similarities. We're talking about comedy, but you know, there's so much similarities in, in songwriting that there is in preaching, yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 you don't think about it often. But every word, every phrase has meaning and intentionality. Whether you're a manuscript preacher or not, you, you, every word, every phrase has intentionality, it has a reason for being there. And we get to kind of unravel or unwrap or or invite into. Hey, hey, here's here's why. Um, and here's here's where you can be a part of that. Hey, we're not finished yet. Here's a yeah. gift. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's so good. So it's 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 almost as if you've had an experience, whether it be with scripture, whether it be with the story from your family or for Brian with his grandfather, and he has this this one experience that shaped him that's been meaningful. And his goal is to create that a, a similar experience through that experience. So, mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I would say like if, if I have a, I've had this experience of scripture and I learned this Greek word or this Hebrew word or mm -hmm. this story of uh, Rachel Leah and uh, you know the story of scripture is spoken to me. I get to create an experience out of that. And the experience yeah. leads to another experience, which then leads to somebody else's experience with it. And it, it's, it's not, it's, it's a living thing. It mm -hmm. does, it's not just, it's not just, Oh yeah, I did this and that, that's fine. No, it, it's, it's a living ever flowing, changing piece. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's amazing. He also talked about, he, he just released the, the day I interviewed him. He released a song that he wrote for his daughter. Um, so he was a, uh, one-year-old Eleanor, um, beautiful little girl. And he wrote this song called beauty in the world. And when I first heard it, I was, I was just, man, in tears. <laughs> I was trying to do research for, for the podcast, for the interview. And I just couldn't help think of my own son. And then the kind of world 
that I want Cooper to inherit and the kind of gift I want to bring him. And so this kind of song is, is a living document. It's a living gift that, you know, he hopes Eleanor will listen to for years to come. Um, there's one of, one of these lyrics he, he wrote down, you know, where's it, where's it, where's it? Oh, I've got some different paper, but there's uh, uh, one of these lyrics that there's, you know, there's beauty in the world, even when it's hard to find, mm. there's beauty in the world because, you know, you've been born into it and you bring that beauty. So there's this kind of step-by-step process of realizing, seeing, um, recognizing the beauty in this world. Um, and there's, for me, I was like, there's just so many elements um, to songwriting and to singing this. And then the gift that you give to your daughter and then your daughter learns from that gift and they, she gets to live out that gift, but also gets to remember who you are as her dad um, through this kind of intentionality of saying, Hey, look, there's beauty. If you just look for it. Um yeah, just uh, uh, amazing the stories that we get to be invited into. Oh, gosh, I, I am I'm moved because I think about that comes his, from his particular life. That's mm-hmm. his particular that he is writing from. And he's, I'm sure he's done a lot of work of feeling those feelings of, for his daughter, um, playing a particular chord and saying that, that fits or that doesn't, or saying that song, that particular line saying, no, let's tweak that word. And he went so deep into his particular that it led to something that speaks to, to all of us, even to you, mm. with you. And it, it brought you from, from the particular to a universal about beauty of mm. the earth to your own particular of your own son, Cooper. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when you know it's good. The, yeah. the deeper you, the de- I've found that the deeper I go into my own story, the deeper I go into my own feelings, the deeper I go into my own stuff and speak about it, um, that leads to something else that's bigger, which connects to somebody yeah. else. And yeah. I, I just, oh, that's, that's beautiful. Wow. I love it. Yeah. We're, it, once we recognize too, we're, we're all on this earth on the journey together, right? We're all just, I, I forgot who said it, but we're all just walking each other home, yeah. you know? And once we recognize that we, we can do our, I think there's some, real inner work we all have to engage in and it's only through that inner work that we're able to connect on a real you know a real extent with other human beings um and we're able to um empathize we're we're able to be in relationship we're we're able to enter in and to see their story and to honor their story as a gift um yeah yeah that's so good oh man all right well, I think we could talk all day, um, but mm-hmm. we're, I think we're hitting about our time. Um, is there any final thing you'd want to say um, to preachers who are listening? Final words, thoughts? Yeah, one, one, have fun. Have fun. Enjoy it. Um, you are creating something out of nothing every week or or however often you, you preach, once a month, once every two months, you know, you get this honor and this privilege um, to be in a place in which people are sitting there willing to listen to you. <laughs> you know, how bizarre is that? I mean, I think about that every Sunday, you know, I get up there and I'm like, man, they're, they're, they're sitting there listening to me. Um, and there's not many places that I'm able just to speak and people listen, you know, that doesn't happen anywhere else in my life. And so um, <laughs> besides Cooper, cause he can't talk to me yet, you know, he just gets to listen. But that, I mean, it was, I mean, that's such a privilege. I don't think we really appreciate that enough, or we don't 
really take the time to give thanks to God for that particular calling that we have. Um, yeah, I think it's just incredible. I, I want to I leave you with with a quote. There's a, I, I went back and I'm reliving some of the books, you know, that you're supposed to read in seminary, but you didn't, right? You know those books. <laughs> the, the, the bookshelf um, books. The bookshelf books. Like, <laughs> I look very smart in my office, but um, I haven't touched half of them. But there's this uh, beautiful, so Dorothy Bass wrote this great book called Receiving the Day. And I, I think I got it in one of our spiritual formation classes. And I keep coming back to it this week as I'm writing the sermon. Um, I don't think it's ever going to make it in there. It made it on the Word doc, um, but I don't think it's going to make it there overall. And I'll probably have to retool it for another week because it's just so good. But there's this quote that she writes about. This is in regards to Sabbath keeping. But I would say this is in regards to preaching and in re- regards to living our faith together. Um, she says says this, and oh, gosh, it's so good. Um, receiving this day, after all, meanings, means joining in the song of creation. Receiving this day, after all, means joining in the song of creation, which renews our love for the earth and our gratitude for the blessing God grants through it. Receiving this day means joining in a worldwide song of liberation a song whose vibrations cut through our own forms of bondage and awaken us the need of all people for freedom and justice. Receiving this day means singing alleluia and being renewed in faith, hope, and love. How good is that? Yeah. And so for me, preaching is like receiving this gift. Yeah. Receiving this gift and hoping, you know, uh, hoping that it's just another part of the song yeah. of all of creation. Yeah. Hoping that it's just all part of that. The, I pray the movement of God in and through and hopefully far beyond um, what we could ever say on a Sunday morning, but inviting people into that worldwide song. Um, I think that's, that's, man, what a neat experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's really good. That's really good. Well, thank you. Um, thanks for being on. And uh, I've got one more quick question. Yeah. Just rapid fire. What's one book that you've read besides that one you just shared? What's one book you've read that has really shaped you in the last year? Theology book, leadership book, um, Dave Killingsworth said a Dr. Seuss book, any book you would like. <laughs> um, what's one book that- Of course been- he said a Dr. Seuss book. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's one book that's just really shaped you in the last year? One book that has really shaped me. I, I've really gone back to Richard Rohr's Divine Dance. Um, yeah. That's a, a book I've taught before in the past and, and a book that uh, I've started to rediscover again, where we're kind of um, invited into the circle dance yeah. that is the Holy Trinity. And we get to be involved in that kind of creation. We get to be involved in that kind of movement of, of freedom and, and yeah, the divine dance, just incredible. And, and, it's been my personal kind of spiritual book as of late, you know, not one that I'm teaching. I'm not preaching. I'm not teaching it, but I'm just enjoying it right now. Um, and, and that's been really life-giving. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Dense. It's a dense book, but a really good one. Yeah. 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 Well, Rob, thank you for being uh, on Preacher Lab today and uh, speaking your heart and your love and sharing your experiences. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to watching the sermon online. I think it's going to be really, really good. Yeah, thanks, Will. I'm honored to be on here and honored to be a part of the the cast of misfits that are preachers. Um, (laughs) So I really appreciate it.